Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. That's right. The Christmas edition of the GM Shuffle as we're winding into Jolly St. Nick. And Mike and I are going to give our favorite Christmas movies of all time. But, you know, unlike uh, Bobby Bacala, neither of us is going to be dressing up as Jolly Old St. Nick. Right, Mike? No, nor, you know, I really wanted a train. After Bobby had that train set, like, I don't have enough guts to tell Millie I think I should have a train set, you know. <laughs> but I would like a train set. Like, I like that little town that he has there, like Peytonville. You know how Peyton has that town with, with that Brad guy, you know. Like a train set, you know, especially if you got like a diner and, a, you know, like a lot of good things. I don't know. I'd probably screw up the train. I'd crash. But I, I don't know if I'd wear the hat. But I like when Janice looks at him and he's in that hat. And he shakes <laughs> you know. It's tough to take anybody seriously. And that whole episode, by the way, the Blue Comet, the penultimate episode of The Sopranos, we know everyone always criticizes the finale, which I think is without justification. The more you see it, the more you appreciate it. But that second last episode right. with Bobby going down, Silvio shot outs at the strip club. I mean, all over the place. Great action. No doubt. And the Blue Comet was a train that went from Atlantic City to New York, which I wish they still had it. And that's why it was called the Blue Comet. And uh, yeah, no, I thought, I think I watched that one from time to time. I, I watched it. I got, I must confess, I am, I am addicted. Millie's up in Boston. And so I like between commercial breaks, I've been watching the Irishman scenes like perfect, like going back and forth. I love it. The scene of when he's telling Jimmy Hoffa, it is what it is, oh. is one of the great scenes. But I think a great scene is when Angelo Bruno tells the Irishman about that Chinese laundromat. Right. Yeah, you know you know who runs that? Who? I do. Oh, who? No, no. I mean, I don't know who it is. I mean, I do. <laughs> I can tell. Now's not the time to hold back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line, I can tell you're right. Who told you to do this? We're going to use that. If you ever write a, I mean, you got to write another book, but your next book, Now is Not the Time to Hold Back, My Life and Times in the NFL by Michael Lombardi. Now is not the time. I mean, <laughs> so good. Let's do it, man. Okay, let's talk some football. And by the way, in honor of The Sopranos, The Wire, all the shows we love, uh, Mike has put together this a great list of all the playoff teams, which character they are. So we kick it off with the Baltimore Ravens. They are 13-2. and two. They clinch the AFC's number one seed and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They knock off the Browns today. We're recording this on Sunday night. They've now won 11 consecutive games. Now you can rest. they got a meaningless Week 17 game against the Steelers. We'll get to Pittsburgh in a second, by the way. Surprising loss against the Jets. But Ravens, which character are they? And then we assess them. Oh, uh, they can only be one character. I mean, seriously, this is too easy. They can only be Omar. They're unorthodoxed. They're tougher than shit, you know. Nobody wants to face them. Nobody wants to see him in an alley, you know. It's like when he saw Brother Menzo. I've been. I, I knew you'd come back, you know. It's like they're just. That's who they are. And today was just so much about who they are. They didn't panic. They got behind. They're so mentally tough. Their defense rallied, you know, and they found a way to make plays. Even though Lamar didn't start off the game like he typically does, but. Look, I think that they're going to be hard to kill, like Omar. I mean, they're going to be running the streets for a while. You know, they better hope that they adhere to the Sunday practice because they're going to be a hard out. I mean, they get, they've get they gotten better defensively. They have this sense of confidence. You know what's funny about today's game, AD, is the fact that there it is, Lamar's 32 and Baker's 1, and how different both quarterbacks looked. 
Yeah, I mean, that will always be a conversation because, you know, for the rest of their time in the NFL, you'll always say, okay, listen, you can have this guy. You went, you were gutsy. You thought, oh, I love Baker's moxie and his flash and his panache. Instead, Lamar is the one who also was equally flashy, but for the rest of time, you're going to say, oh, I can't believe people actually thought he should be a wide receiver. We can discuss the Browns as well, Mike, just for a thought. The fact they lose 31 to 15 in a season in which this was supposed to be, oh, Browns in prime time. Now they make their step through. I mean, this has got to be, as we wrap up the season, as well in many ways here. This is going to be the most disappointing team of the entire year, right? No doubt. I mean, and you know, Freddie Kitchens just just looks like he is after 15 games. He's in over his head. And look, it, look, there's no school to go to to become a head coach. And he's got a cast of characters that I'm not sure anyone could really coach. I mean, they're so undisciplined. There's no real focus on the here and now. I mean, it's like we were. I was doing the show today for Veasan, and people were like, "Well, you know, maybe the Browns will cover." Look, they haven't taken the season seriously. Why would they take the end of the season seriously? I mean, really, like, why would they put any extra effort in or do the right? thing and, and and I really think and I wrote about this in the athletic on Friday I, I really think Baker you have to really look long and hard at what Baker Mayfield is and you better find somebody who can develop the skills within the system I mean he's just not roll the football out and say okay Baker you take it over he gets way too many passes broken up at the line of scrimmage he can't see down the field he doesn't do enough for your offense I mean it, it's really to me it's a little bit like and the media hasn't sprung on Baker at all because, God forbid, they, they say anything bad about him. But the reality of it is, is it's a little bit like Kirk Cousins. You know, Cousins caught so much crap. Baker doesn't catch as much crap. But now that Cousins has found the right system, he's dynamic. He's, you know, having career years in all his numbers. Baker doesn't have that. And, and everybody has a plan on how to attack Baker. And how about this for a stat I think epitomizes what exactly has gone wrong with the Browns or what you would have expected. Odell Beckham, three-yard catch today. Touchdown in the fourth quarter. Mike, that was his first red zone touchdown this season. It comes on December 22nd. That is staggering to me. It's unbelievable, right? I mean, it's just like, how is that even possible? Like, it drives me crazy. And then we'll get about this in the next segment about, you know, I'm watching Michael Thomas get 17,000 catches. I said to my buddy Bill, Bill, like, why aren't we doubling this guy? And meanwhile... You know, Amari Cooper's in witness protection. I can't find him. You, you, you know, it's like these other receivers, they get lost. And it just goes back to, you know, we have so many people that coach. We have few great coaches. I think that's really what the essence of this league is. This league is really about having a blue chip coach at some level of your team, whether it's offense coordinator, defense coordinator. And, and I think that Baltimore has that. I think Omar has really good leadership. I think Greg Roman's done a remarkable job with Lamar. And I think Don Martindale is a head coach in waiting. I think he's going to be a really good head coach because he understands he's been with Al Davis. So one thing when you are with Al Davis, you understand the whole game and he teaches you about how to see the game from the 30,000 feet. Not that he always practiced it, but he helps you become a better head coach if you pay attention. And I think those two coordinators, and Romo and Nance were talking about it today on the air, they give Baltimore – you're not going to out-coach Baltimore. You know, you to beat Baltimore, it's going to be hard because Tucker doesn't miss a goddamn kick, right? They go for it on fourth down. Their conditioning is very good. You're going to have to play near perfect to beat them. No question about it. And speaking of playing near perfect but definitely improved, I think it was like a throwback game for the New England Patriots. You say, is the offense going to step up against a good Bills D? They did. Very exciting game on Saturday, 24-17. The Patriots win. And with his passing touchdown to Matt Lacoste, Tom Brady has now thrown a passing touchdown to 76 different receivers. That is the most in NFL history. He also ties Peyton Manning, 539. That 
That's the second most career passing touchdowns in NFL history. It felt like a throwback game for Brady in some ways. Which character are the Patriots, Mike? Oh, they can only be Don Corleone. I mean, they are still Don Corleone. They it's Don Corleone before he got shot. Before, hold on, Fredo. I want to look at. The, I want to buy some fruit. It's before that, right? It's right. before that. It's when he's stroking cats. Yeah, he's very calculating. You know, Santino. Don't talk outside the family. I mean, they're very calculating. They have probably one run left in them. You know, whether it's you know Brady played. You could see him on Saturday night. He wasn't old in terms of how he moved. He ran the ball, threw the ball counting on receivers. The offensive line played their best game. They're still there. Now, I think the, the advantage by beating Buffalo that day is that they now only have to get two games to get to the Super Bowl. you got to win two to get there. They beat Miami at home. They win two. They're in. So I think that they're savvy. They're still the king. Somebody's going to have to come after them, and they're not going to have Fredo protecting them, I can promise you. Yeah, and the, the win itself, I mean, listen, say this for Josh Allen. You and I have agreed that I don't know how good a quarterback he is, but he certainly is an impressive athlete. I mean, he's only the third quarterback in NFL history, 500 or more rushing yards each of his first two seasons. And this year, 29 offensive touchdowns. That's the most by a Bills quarterback in a single season since the Hall of Famer Jim Kelly in 1991. This Bills team, I mean, I don't know how much noise they can make in the playoffs, but that was a good test in a good game against the Pats. No doubt. And, you know, I mean, while we're talking about the Bills, I might as well re reveal their character. I mean, they are Christopher Moltisanti. Yes. They're young. They got a lot of moxie. They're tough, right? But they have a fatal flaw. They have a fatal flaw. His was, you know, drugs. And their fatal flaw is Josh Allen's accuracy, no matter how you cut it. Right, That game, I thought the Bills were of the perfect play in that game at 6.5. He throws the ball to the tight end, Knox, in the corner of the end zone on second down. It's a touchdown. He overthrows it by five feet. I said on VEASAN, he's always going to have two drives a game that he makes throws. Going into that game, he had 44 passes over 30 yards. He completed four of them. He's not an accurate thrower down the field. You can say whatever you want. He's a incredible athlete, and he can make some throws that are just flat-out remarkable. Just like Chris, he could do some things that were really good. He was always a good earner. Yeah. I mean, he's a good earner, you know, but he's, there's, so, there's a flaw. And if you can work around the flaw, like some seasons they were able to work around Chrissy's flaw. But, you know, I don't think you're going to ever make them the Don, and I don't think you're ever going to make them the champion because that flaw is going to always show up. Yeah, when I interviewed Michael Imperioli on Cinephile, he said to me, you know, how did you play this character, this guy who's a, I mean, he's a drug addict, he's physically abusive, he's verbally abusive. And he said, well, I tried to find something redeemable about him. And I'll say this, he was a hard worker. He said, one thing about Chris is he put in the hours. <laughs> he put in the hours. I mean, he was tough as shit too, like, you know, and he had great pride in his car. He looked good in his uniform. I mean, Josh Allen looks good in his uniform. Remember when Tony put his feet up on top of his car in, season, in the first episode? <laughs> yeah. Like, and he was giving him the dirty look? Like, you know, hey. I mean, and, and I don't mean this to be a knock on Josh Allen. He's got to improve his passing. I mean, they lost that game because he couldn't make a couple throws. And they weren't hard throws. That was an easy throw in the back of the end zone. And he overthrew it because he didn't want to underthrow it. He overthrew it. And he really doesn't have great touch on the football. Let's move to a great quarterback. Number three team in the AFC, that's the Kansas City Chiefs. They're 10-4, and four, so they entered Week 15 having already secured the AFC West with a win over the Broncos. This is the possibility of moving into the number two seed over the final two weeks of the season because they've beaten the Pats. They would hold the head-to-head -head tiebreaker if both teams finished tied at 12-4. They're going to face the Bears uh, on Sunday Night Football. But overall, for this Chiefs team, which character are they? Well, you know, it's funny. They're in red, and I think they're the perfect redhead. I think they're Sonny San Corleone. I think they're Santino. I think they're hot-headed. I think they're emotional. I think they're very talented. Sonny could have been a great Don. He just was a little bit too emotional. And I think that if they don't manage the game correctly come playoff time, they're going to get killed. But if they do, if they do, 
they can be deadly because they've got all the things you want in a Don. they got all the things you want in a championship team, whether their defense is good enough and whether they can manage the game. That remains to be seen. But to me, I think the emotional volatility of Sonny Corleone reminds me of the Chiefs. They can be explosive, and all of a sudden they're up 21 to nothing. but they could also go dormant at times. Sonny, the toll booth scene, I mean, it's just, Sonny, what are you doing? I mean, just find another way to get in there, right? Come on. You, don't go. Don't, don't go. go. No, don't go. They said, you know, but he dressed so good, didn't he, though? Oh, he looked didn't great. Didn't Sonny dress good? That James Conn swagger. The, the best part is when he's, you know, he's only, he laughs at the fact that Michael wants to do it. He goes, oh, I'm going to get a little bloody eye suit. Bobby, come on. I love this guy. You got to go up there and put all over. It's so good. I mean, that scene is really good. I mean, Pop, I needed a wartime consigliere. See, I think that's what the Chiefs need. The Chiefs need a wartime consigliere. They need somebody in Andy's ear to tell him when to slow it down, to tell him when to speed it up, to tell him when, hey, look, we got to just pace the game a little bit. They need a wartime consigliere. Yeah, that's exactly what they need. And a team that's going back into the battle again, the Houston Texans. You know, they get criticized for trades. They're used to Deshaun Watson, but they are AFC South champions, fourth time in five seasons. We're not sure where they're going to be seated. They could move up to number three if they beat the Titans in Week 17 and if the Chiefs, Chiefs rather lose one or both their remaining games because they have the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Chiefs. The Texans, I cannot wait for the character you're going to say for them, Mike, because a part of me says, oh, they have remarkable consistency more than one would realize, four divisions in five seasons, or maybe they're underachievers because they make the dance and never actually do anything with it so which character are they i think they're stringer bell i think they're smart they're calculating they probably have gone to school i think that deshaun watson looks good i think that if the, it sets up perfectly if will fuller plays they they could be really smart and they can out calculate some people but if he doesn't play they could lose and get shot you know by brother Manzone. i mean I, what do you think i mean i think that's the perfect guy for him i think that that's kind of who he is they dress well they look good at times they look great and at times they look really stupid. They do stupid things, like making a deal with Prop Joe. You know, like they do dumb things. You remember when Stringer Bell, he teaches Mario how business is done. Like he definitely is a guy who you felt like he knew what he was doing. Like Idris Elba is so good. Yeah, and he was trying. I mean, if you, if, if I'm telling anybody listening to this podcast, if you've never watched Luther, watch Luther. Luther's one of the great shows on tele, on Netflix. It's it's as good as any show you're ever going to watch. And and he plays Luther in it, and he plays a great character in Luther. He's a little fucked up. You know, it kind of cheats a little bit. But, I mean, I think the Stringer Bell was perfect. He wanted to be something he wasn't, and I think sometimes the Texans want to be something they're not. You know, they're not really ready for a street fight, the Texans. Like, on Saturday when, when Tampa was rushing the passer, you know, the right tackle Clark really can't handle If it gets down and dirty, I don't know if Houston can survive. And I think that's why they're Stringer Bell for me. I like it. They're going to finish up shop against the Jets in Week 17. That brings us, we'll skip the Bills. We're going to discuss them at five. So number six is the Titans. Now, they lose to the Saints. Good game. Saints win it by a field goal. Titans are in the driver's seat, though, for their final playoff spot in the AFC. They can clinch with a win over the Texans or losses by the Steelers and the Colts. The Titans, despite the fact they lose the Saints by 10, excuse me, they actually have the edge against the Steelers. Duck Hodges benched. Steelers falling apart. The Titans now can make the playoffs. So, Mike, I'm going to say for the Titans, I actually kind of think they're like Artie Bucco. And I'll explain because Artie, I love it. Artie Bucco, you think, he's easily underestimated, right? Oh, he's Tony's childhood friend. He's just this bald guy who runs a restaurant. But then he actually shows some surprising moments of toughness. Like, Remember the scene where he's upset about the fact the mob, they basically, they're, they're dipping and that that uh, that woman who's working for him is like skimming money off the top, so he goes and beats yeah, the crap out yeah, of that guy. Yeah. Like, there's definitely the moments, of, guy, yeah, yeah. Like there's moments of Artie that I'm like, dude, this guy's tougher than you think. And that's what I think of with the Titans. They're easy to be underestimated because so, there's not much depth to them. But just like Artie Bucco, the Titans can surprise you, and they've been a surprise this season with what Ryan Tannehill's done. 
I think that's a great call. I mean, they might be wearing an earring. You never think Artie Bucco would be wearing an earring. I mean, you know, he's <laughs> got this. Crisis, he's yeah. got that hip chic thing that he's doing with the French lady, who's just playing him like a drum. You know, <laughs> then he kicks the shit out of out of the guy that comes over his house. You know, he beats the shit out of him, right? So he shows some toughness. How many shows up with puts a gun in Tony's face? That takes balls, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah. think that's good. I mean, look, the Titans are just not a complete team. I mean, there's some flaws to their defense. They couldn't. Their injuries in the secondary have hurt them. And the Saints were too good today. The Saints were too good for them. And the Saints, the Saints are mentally tough, man. They ain't gonna back down. And they, they every time the Titans got close, they couldn't. Ba- they wouldn't back down. So, but I love it. That's perfect. Artie Bucco with the Titans. You would never guess them for the for Artie Bucco, but I think that's perfect. And now we got to talk about, we don't need to think of a character for this, but the Steelers, because our man Duck Hodges, his start lasted three drives and two picks. Mid-game benching, he returns in the second half. The Steelers lose 16-10 to the Jets. Listen, we love the guy, but objectively, I mean, that is brutal. Even Tomlinson afterwards, Duck didn't take care of the ball, so he made a decision. And Mason's health is an element of the equation. Yeah, I mean, look, the league should not let Pittsburgh in. You need to have a quarterback to get into the playoffs. You need to have somebody who, you know, remember the year the Raiders went in the playoffs with no quarterback? I mean, it just makes for bad television. You know, you know, if Pittsburgh gets in, they're going to be on the ESPN game on Saturday. It'll be. It'll be yeah, the 4 o'clock game. We'll all be sleeping. You know. Yeah, that game's always the worst. The Saturday 4.35 game, you go, oh, my God, the game is always dreadful. It's <laughs> always going to be the worst. And if the Steelers get in, you can book that they're going to be at that game, right? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You know? Right. I saw a fan at the Jets game because I picked the Steelers like an idiot. My my buddy Will said, you're an idiot. Why would you pick the Steelers, you know? And I'm like, why would I do that, you know? But I kind of had a feel for it. I didn't know how they were going to get any points, but I thought Sam Darnold would turn it over, you know? But the fact is, they, they couldn't move the ball. They have no running game. I should have been smarter than that. They, you know, I knew they weren't going to be able to run the ball in the Jets. I just thought they would make enough plays. I didn't think Duck would throw them the ball as much as he did. Yeah, James Conner, you mentioned the running game. He's been hampered by injuries throughout the season, ruled out with a thigh injury. Center Marquise Pouncey, he was carted off with a knee injury. So now the Steelers are on the outside looking in. And how about the Raiders? Still alive at 7-8. and eight. John Gruden, they're not going to make it, but they're still technically alive. How about anybody thinking the Chargers were a seven-point favorite over anybody? I mean, seriously. Like, the Raiders were the contrarian pick. Like, I, I put it on the pot on Thursday. Like, that was stealing money. And today, when I'm doing VEASAN, the line is moving. People are betting like crazy on the Chargers because they kicked the shit out of Jacksonville, right? They're betting the Chargers like going crazy. Like, are you kidding me? The Raiders actually beat them worse this time than they almost, they had them up in, uh, up there. Plus the thing that no one talked about, it was a completely Raider field. I mean, Los Angeles, as much as the NFL doesn't want to admit it, Los Angeles is an Oakland Raider, Los Angeles Raider city. That's what it is. That's the core of who they love, right? That's what they are. And, and so that was a home game for the Raiders. That was a home game for the Raiders. It was easy. I, I, you know, the Chargers aren't going to – I don't think the Chargers fire Anthony Lynn, but, man, you talk about having a disadvantage. I mean, I don't know if he's going to change offensive coordinator. He's got a young offensive coordinator. And defensively, I've been saying this all year, all these Seattle guys on defense have struggled. Even the 49ers, if their great front doesn't win, they struggle on the back end. All these Seattle guys, Jacksonville, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, all these guys, Atlanta, they're de- nobody's playing good defense that's coming out of that Seattle tree. Yeah, we've discussed a lot about the AFC playoff picture, but as you mentioned, we're turning attention towards the NFC. Philadelphia's huge win over the Cowboys and more of that NFC West action. We'll keep it coming here on the GM Shuffle.
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, now it's time for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, listen, this team had their hands full Saturday night. Niners came back to beat the Rams, keep themselves in position to claim the top seed if they can beat the Seahawks in Seattle in Week 17. Good luck with that. Over the wise, they're going to enter the playoffs as a wild card team. This is how good this NFC West team has been. The Niners, as we've mentioned before, Mike, they have that great defensive line. Jimmy G kind of goes up and down, but who are we thinking of for the character for the Niners when it comes to characters from shows we love? Oh, I think they're Marlowe. I think they're Marlowe Stanfield. I think they're ready to run a family. I think they're ready to take it over. I think they're deadly. I think they got Chris and Snoop right with them. I think they could dominate at any time. I think their health right now isn't great. You know, I like when Marlowe said, man, that's some Spider-Man shit when he jumped out. When, remember when Omar jumped out of that window? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> man, that's some Spider-Man shit. So I, I think they're Marlowe. I think they're really ready to kind of come along. They're dangerous. You've got to pay attention to them. I think they're not healthy right now, especially defensively in the back end. But when their defensive line can get after you like they can, I think they're really good. Yeah, I mean, you say this for the 49ers. I know at times they have some ups and downs here, but Jimmy G, Garoppolo is now tied. Roger Staubach, Kurt Warner, Pat Hayden, third most wins through a quarterback's first 25 starts in the Super Bowl era, and they score 30 or more for the eighth time this season. That's the most times they've done that in six years. Rams hung in there, but let's discuss the Rams while we're at it. I mean, Jared Goff, such high expectations. This team, you get a ton of money, you go to the Super Bowl, and yet you're 8-7. and seven. You lose by three against the Niners. That, that, that can't cut it. No, and I mean, look, when, when you look at the Rams, I mean, and uh, Frank Cusimano, I don't think this is Dr. Cusimano, this is Frank Cusimano on Twitter. I don't think he's any relation to Jeannie. I dream of Jeannie Cusimano. Yeah, one of the great episodes. Oh, God. Isabella was still one of my favorites. The girl that's hanging the laundry, I don't know who oh. that actress was, but she was great. Oh, yeah, Maria Grazia Cucinota. She's unbelievable. So the, Ram the Rams missed the playoffs. They don't have a first-round pick in sight. Their franchise has a running back with arthritis. Their quarterback has to be the one of the most overpaid in sports. Their stadium may end up being $4 billion over budget. Outside of that, everything's going good for Stan Kroenke. <laughs> and add the fact that now Mike Silver's saying that Andrew Whitworth will come back, might play next year, but left, their offensive line's a mess. I mean, look, I think Sean McVay did one of the great coaching jobs on Saturday night. I think if you pay attention closely, what he did was, as a coach, he did everything in his power to not let Jared Goff have to line up behind center. 
He did everything in his power to move him. He did every bootleg, every kind of flash, everything he could to move the pocket because he knew once he was in there, he was going to make a mistake. And at the end of the first half, he did. And you got to give McVay a ton of credit. I mean, he you know he got pissed off. He knew they were in the, what defense they were in when he throws the interception. He does everything in his power to overcome Goff. When Goff has time to throw the football, or Goff can go out there. I think the question people should ask is, when Goff makes these plays, don't praise Goff. Ask yourself, do you think another quarterback could do that? Do you think another quarterback could make that throw? Now, maybe Duck can't make that throw, but maybe another quarterback could make that throw. And I think that's the question you have to ask. We keep, you know, we go berserk. We go all Dick Vitale when a guy completes a, a 15-yard over route to a guy who's wide-ass open. Like, time out, time out. It was a one-read pattern. He's throwing it there. I just think to me, you know, that you have to be real careful with the Rams. They're going to have to fix it. And I talk about changing the staff. I think they're going to have to change a lot more than just the staff. They're going to need some new players. Definitely a big disappointment for that. Meantime, number two, New Orleans Saints. I mean, hats off to this team. They, they temporarily take over the number two spot after they beat the Titans. They will stay there if the Packers lose Monday night to the Vikings. If the Packers win, the Saints will be back down to number three. But Packers would hold the tiebreaker at the moment because of a better conference record. But bottom line is this. 38-28, to they beat the Tennessee Titans. This was a team, Mike, and I was wrong. I thought once Drew Brees went down, okay, lights out. No, no. They were able to do what they could with Teddy Bridgewater, cobble together the wins. They're still very dangerous. Is Are they like McNulty? Are they a team that you kind of count out because they're banged up a little bit? They drink too much. They've got some issues on the side. But at the end of the day, just a damn good detective. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Green Bay's McNulty. But okay, I, 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 I kind of had them as Avon Barksdale. I think nice. they're they're kind of like tough as shit. They're going to play in the trenches. You want to come at me? They're, you know, this is a street thing. You know, when he tells when he tells uh, Stringer, this is, you know, you, you've gotten too much in the business world. This is still a street thing for me. They're calculating. I like when he drives his car back and he shakes his finger. That's, that's, I could see Drew Brees doing that. You know, shake, no, 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 no. You're not going to beat us here. I just think to me, Sean Payton is kind of like he's got the team's ear. You can feel his team. And they've got a bunch of injuries. They've been in prison. You know, they've been eating chicken in prison. You know, I love, you know, one of my favorite scenes of The Wire was when Avon comes out and Marlo's sitting there expecting to see the Greek guy or whatever he was. Yeah, and yeah, Marlo yeah. comes out and says, surprise, you know, like, <laughs> sort of great scenes of all time. No question. Just that look of the recognition on his face is amazing. Um, you're right about the Saints being dangerous. And I think that, you know, when you look at their team overall, obviously it's easy to focus on the offense, but the defense at times can make plays. But I want to focus on the guy you mentioned earlier. That's Michael Thomas. I mean, beating Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison, the most catches in a single season in NFL history. This guy's an absolute beast. I remember Marvin had 143 catches in 02. You say, how is that possible? Oh, because he's got a great quarterback in Peyton Manning, blah, blah, blah. Well, what Michael Thomas has done this year for the Saints, I mean, it's amazing how good that guy's been. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's really remarkable. Uh, and and you and, and they and they move them around so much. The difference between what the Saints do and what the Cowboys do are miles apart, right? And I think that you know just the the intelligence and the creativity and the divergent thinking of Sean Payton to utilize him and move him around makes it hard for people to put hard doubles on the guy, and he's able to get him into situations. I'll tell you the other thing about the Saints that I that I made a comment on Twitter about that I think is true is I really think that Taysom Hill could be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I really do. I, wow, at BYU, crazy. you like him. I, I Call me crazy, but there's time. I mean, he may, he's tougher than hell. He can make a lot of throws. You could run a little bit of what Lamar runs. He's not as fast as Lamar, but he's got a lot of things going for him. He's more accurate than Josh Allen. He's way more accurate than Josh Allen with the football. I'm not saying he's perfect, but, man, he's somebody to work with. I, I, I'm telling you, I think that guy could be something special. I really do. 
Well, okay, maybe a team will take a flyer on him. Thomas surpassing Hall of Famer Randy Moss, 5,396. Most receiving errors to a player's first four seasons in NFL history. That brings us to the Green Bay Packers, who are taking on the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night football. The Packers right now at 11-3. and Again, a prolific team, an impressive team. They've come up with the big ones when need be, although their defense is a little bit leaky, and that's why I believe you're going to go with McNulty. Just as McNulty can't handle the booze, the Packers' defense is an issue for them. Yeah. yeah, and McNulty, like you said, he's a really good detective. And I think Green Bay, you know, you win as many games as Green Bay as you're a good football team, but there's flaws with Green Bay like there's flaws with McNulty. You know, there's flaws with them, and, and they've got a problem, and they're not going to be able to run away from their problem. And, you know, they play New Orleans or they play these other good offenses, they're going to have some issues because people are going to know how to attack them. People are going to know what to do against them. So, I, I mean, I love the McNulty character. I mean, I don't love the fact that McNulty was always subversive from within, you know. I mean, even when he was on the same team and everybody was – he would not always play nice. Yes. But I, I think Green Bay – I think – there's a little bit of Aaron Rodgers and some of that subversive from within in there too, you know, <laughs> that I could see McNulty and Aaron Rodgers being the same guy. Yes. And, and I don't mean it in a bad way. I think that McNulty wanted to do what's right for this, the city, the Baltimore police. He just wasn't used to being a teammate. And I think that's a little bit of Aaron Rodgers. I agree with you. You don't get the sense that Rodgers or McNulty fit in very well. They're not like one of the boys. It doesn't mean they're bad guys, but they kind of go by the beat of the drummer. They're a little bit solitary. I know what you mean. That's actually a pretty good comp when you put it in those frames. By the way, Kirk Cousins, I just got to give you this stat, 0-8 on Monday Night Football in his career. First quarterback to lose his first eight Monday Night games in football history. Talk about a guy who doesn't like the bright lights. Kirk Cousins right there. Yeah, and, and now that we're talking about Minnesota, I think Minnesota's Phil Leotardi. I think yes. they're tough. Frank Vincent. I think their scrapbook has no scraps. <laughs> I think they would eat grilled cheese off of a radiator and call it manicot. <laughs> I mean, I think that they have a lot of presence to them. I think they're dangerous. I think they could run a family. I think there's a flaw with them. I think sometimes they'll get blinded by their own loyalty to certain players. You know, Phil was never going to get off of his brother getting killed, and he never could forgive it. He could never move past it. I think there's some issues with Minnesota in terms of that. But don't make any mistakes about they're a talented football team and cousins, and I know he's 0-8, but they're really he's played better than ever, ever, ever in his career. Ever. And I think it's again goes back to the theme of this podcast is coaches, there is a distinct difference between coaches. Just because you wear a whistle around your neck doesn't mean you're a coach. You there are different levels of chess masters. And they're different levels of coaches. Right. And to your point, Mike, the, the Vikings and Zimmer still have a chance to win the NFC North if they can win their final two games and the Packers lose their final two games. So there's still an option of that of happening, which, listen, the Monday Night Football game is obviously going to be important to see. And, and in terms of Cousins, I mean, we all know that he's not worth that money. That contract, he was a beneficiary of timing, et cetera. But 25 touchdowns, five picks, and he completes passes at a 70.5% clip. That's awfully good. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, he makes it go. I mean, he makes it all work. And, and you got to give I give Kubiak credit, and I give Stefanski credit, and I give Zimmer credit. Zimmer makes his team tough. They're Philly Atardi tough. I mean, he's tough. And they'll get down and dirty. You know, Phil could get down and dirty with you. There's no sweet talk with Zimmer. There's no sweet talk with Phil. All right. I cannot wait for this one because this is just when you thought I was out, they pulled me back in. The Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> are so they – are, they are Michael Corleone Godfather 3. They are Michael when he's got diabetes and he's just sucking down orange juice and he just wants to go on and be legitimate. No, 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 Michael. We know who you are. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They're at home. They're home dogs against the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. And their defense, Mike, their much maligned secondary doesn't give up one 
passing touchdown, one touchdown, period, against Dallas. The secondary steps up big time. I still can't believe it. Now, listen, they were aided by the fact the Cowboys receivers dropped a ton of balls. But fly, Eagles, fly. This was their best performance of the year. I don't know how Jim Schwartz doesn't get a head coach. Two years ago, I didn't know how he didn't get a head coaching job. I don't know how he doesn't get a head coaching job. He's been the glue that holds this thing together. I mean, the defense, you know, and, and let's face it, you know, Dak Prescott wasn't under a lot of pressure. I mean, this was just clearly that you you had a chess master playing against a guy playing checkers. This is what this matchup was. I think the Eagles are a lot like Ralphie. I think they look good. They dress well. They're tremendous earners. They've got a lot of intelligence. And they're going to run into a flaw here down the road, you know, but I'm not sure where it is. They're getting better and building up. They're going to kill somebody's horse, somebody's pile mine. That's going to be their downfall. That's right. I mean, look, they got they got overlooked by Gigi, you know, and, and they came back and they bounced right back. Yes. You know, Gigi takes a crap on the on the Bichadou and he loses his, you know, you know, but I mean, look, I think they're dangerous and Ralphie was dangerous. I mean, see, to me, the, he can't, I don't think the, the Eagles are Richie Aprile because Richie Aprile was too old school. Ralphie was a little bit more in tune with what's going on, the way he dressed, the polo, you know, all the stuff, the bad hair piece. But let, let me just say this about Philadelphia. I mean, they score 17 points against a team that's really good offensively and they win the game. And they win. If you would have told Jerry Jones that he was going to hold the Eagles to 17 points, he's probably thinking he's going to win. There's matchups on the outside that, that you could take advantage of left and right. But the Cowboys, look, I, I, you know the the you know the thing is, I wrote this for the Daily Coach, and I think people should do more of this more often. When someone says to you, "This guy's really smart," you should not say, "Really, really." You should then ask that your follow-up questions should be, give me an example of things he does that are smart. Give me three examples. So Jason Garrett went to Princeton. He's smart. Give me three examples of what he's smart. There, and, and I can't give you any. Like, I can't give you. He may be book smart, and he might have gotten into, stand, into Princeton, which is way better than I could ever done. But, like, when he's coaching a football team, there's nothing he does offensively that's smart. You know, Zeke takes himself out of the game on the biggest play of the game, third and one, and they put Pollard in. They give the ball to Pollard, a rookie, on third and one, the biggest play of the game. Now, Zeke took himself out. Granted, okay, he took himself out. So now I'm going to circle back. Like, I don't want the ball going to Pollard. Like, I don't want the ball going to a rookie. I want the ball going. I want the ball in my best player's hand in the biggest game. And when you watch the Cowboys play today, it was freaking obvious that they don't have, they're not very well coached. They're not in great condition. I mean, DeMarcus Lawrence, two plays, he was coming off the field. They're not in great shape. They can't play chess. I mean, Jerry's going to make a change. There's that. This is 1,000% certain. I'm surprised he took him back from Philly. you know. But the reality of it is, is, is Jason just doesn't bring anything to the table. And people say, well, he went to Princeton. He's smart. You, he can't get you. As his football team tell me three things he does is smart. You can't. You can't do it. And another guy who I got to criticize is Dak Prescott. For all the love he gets, he has not let a game-winning drive or a fourth-quarter comeback this season. All right, he led the NFL 14 game-winning drives from 2016 to 2018. Mike, they were marching that final drive. You could tell Philly's defense looked gas in like literally two minutes. The the Cowboys were like inside the red zone of the Eagles, but that's where they couldn't come through. And I, I'm sorry if you're going to get props to Dak Prescott when things are going well. That's the moment you have to seize the moment. He didn't. He failed. The Eagles secondary played better. They did. And and look, the guy came in today at the book at the Borgata. Guy put four hundred and five thousand down on the money line for the Dallas to win. And I kept saying on the on the on the broadcast and I said it on the I think Dak's hurt. 
I think Dak played hurt today. I'm not making excuses for him. I think Dak played hurt. I think Dak wasn't 100% at all. I think the ball sailed on Dak. He didn't have control of it. I'm sure they probably numbed him up, and he didn't have real good control of the football. And, of course, that adds to the problem is they have no creativity. They have no way. Like, how can Michael Thomas have all these catches and we can't get the ball to Amari Cooper? Like, seriously, how is that happening? That comes right back to coaching. I mean, if you had Josh McDaniels coaching the Cowboys, how many points do you think they would have scored against the Eagles? Oh, yeah. Well, how about this? Is this not an indictment of coaching when I give you this stat? The Cowboys have lost 20 straight games when trailing by 10 or more points entering the fourth quarter. Is that not an indictment that this team knows if they're down by 10, they hang their shoulders and say, no, we're screwed? Like, that's horrible. I mean, it's horrible, right? And the biggest game of the year, they, they don't play anything differently. He does nothing to set the team up. They come out and they do the same shit they've always done. They don't bunch. I mean, they're playing. They don't bunch the formation. They don't attack. I mean, Schwartz just fucking kicked his ass. And how I don't understand how Schwartz doesn't get a head coach. Like, like seriously, two years ago, he's one of his game management is outstanding. He took over 0-16 team because, oh, he's not easy to get along with, or you know, he's you know, he's too smart. I mean, it's just a classic NFL. Here's a guy who's doing a remarkable job, and nobody wants to give him credit. Remember five weeks ago they were talking about how he picks the players, he has all the say. Well, if they didn't have him in Philadelphia, they would be in trouble. They would be in serious trouble. Yep, and well said. The Eagles can now win the division as long as they beat the Giants next week on the road in New York and if the Cowboys lose at home to the Redskins. So it's not over, but obviously this was a a huge win for Philadelphia. All right, one more NFC team to talk about, which is the number 5 team, the Seattle Seahawks. Now, they lose the Cardinals, surprising loss, 27-13 at home, as Kyler Murray is the first rookie quarterback with a road win in Seattle since Andy Dalton in 2011. I don't know how he's like Bunk, but I just want to get Bunk in the show if I can. Uh, who is Seattle of all the characters we love? You know, I, I think he's. Te- I think Seattle's Tessio. I think they're older. I think they're wiser. But I don't think they're really going to be smart enough to figure it all out. Like, I think they're Tessio. I think they're better than Clemenza in terms of smarter. He was always the smarter yeah, one. Fat Clemenza. I mean, I just think to me they're better on the road than they are at home. How is that even possible? Right? They're better on the road than they are at home. Russell Wilson's dangerous, but he couldn't get going today. They didn't have Dwayne Brown at left tackle today. That was a problem. I mean, I said it on VEASAN. Arizona was the play because this the injuries, Seattle's limping into the playoffs right now. Seattle's limping in. They're, the, they're going to be the fifth seed. they got to come back and play Philadelphia. That might be good news for Philly because Seattle's just not healthy right now. I mean, they're limping in, and I think in all likelihood they're going to have to play three games, and I think it's hard. I think that's the one thing about New England's win over Buffalo. It kept them from having to play three games, and if you're Don Corleone, you want to play less games. You know, you're older, you're wiser, you need to play less games. Not that they're an old team, but I think that it helps them. They need the week off. The Patriots need the week off. I think Seattle need the week off. They needed to find a way to win this game today. They couldn't do it. They can't stop anybody running the ball. I mean, my man, the mayor, he got hurt today, pulled his hamstring, and they still couldn't stop Ricky Hundley from moving the ball down the field. Tom, can you get me off the hook for all time's sake? Can't do it, Sally. Not this time. <laughs> Tell Mike it was nothing personal. I always liked him. Coming up after the break, our man Lombardi, 42-20-2 against the spread. That was going into week 16. We'll see what his picks did this week. Plus, rather than all the awards, we're just going to go heavy duty here. NFL NFL head coaches, rather, going on the lamb. Don't go anywhere. All right, Mike, 42-20-2 going into the week. The goal here 
my goal for you at this point, because you've been doing so well, I think better than any of us would have expected, quite frankly, is twice as many wins as losses. So you're plus two in that department, right? 42-22 going in. What is your record now? We have one more week left to go. So I was two and one, so I'm 44-21 and two. That's amazing. So all I, all I want to see happen is if you can double the losses to wins. So next week, as long as you go two and two, I mean, you're set. Yeah, th- this is hard. These last two weeks, and I, and I urge people on the bowl guides, on the bowl to games too, they're hard too. The Borgata's running a, boor, uh, a bowl special where uh, I think next week, if you if you put 25 bucks in the hat at the Borgata, you can pick all the bowl games. You got a chance to win 25000 They'll play one through 10. I mean, the bowl games are hard, and week 16 and 17 are hard to pick because we don't know the motivation of all the teams. Because, like, for Carolina, we know they're looking for a coach. So what's their motivation? I like them I like them to lose today against Indy because I thought Indy would have to play really well. They know their coach is coming back. I thought that – and it, it ended up being true. You know, Atlanta looking for another coach, right? So what's their motivation? They've been playing really good. They've been playing well for Dan Quinn, but I think it's not going to be enough. Dallas, obviously, when they're going to go into Washington next week, you think they're going to play their tail off for the Clapper? <laughs> they know he's gone. Right. And then, and then the Giants, who won today in overtime, I mean, I think, you know, I think the Giants know they need to make a change. I think there's no doubt about that. No question. And that's why, as we get to these picks here, so listen, follow us on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. And we are going to look back. By the way, we're not going to have a Thursday show because the holidays this week. So we will be back next week to recap week 17 games. So don't worry. The GM Shuffle is not going anywhere. We just won't have our Thursday preview show. But And rather than doing all the awards, we're just going to do one big award here, which is on the lamb. NFL coaches going to be fired. The coaching hot seat rankings, according to SportingNews.com. So NFL coaches with the hottest of hot seats. I'll give you all the names, Mike, and then we can batter them around. As you just alluded to, Pat Shermer, Giants, they know they need a change. Jason Garrett, the Cowboys, we know the Clapper is done. Uh, Freddie Kitchens and the Browns. Doug Marone and the Jaguars. Although Shot Khan saying he wants Marone back, apparently. And Dan Quinn and the Falcons, who I would have thought was good as gone as a few weeks ago, but they had a couple of big wins. Remember that win against the Saints? Had a couple of nice division wins, so I'm not 100% sure on DQ. Of those five, we can agree Shermer and Garrett are gone. What about Kitchens, Marone, and Quinn? You know, I don't know about Marone. I like I, I the, the thing that blows me away is he's going to keep David. The, the, the words out he's going to keep David Caldwell. David Caldwell must have a great PR machine. He must have an incredible. He should run for fucking president. I mean, he should. I mean, <laughs> Bloomberg might want to think about hiring his ass. Because I don't know how the hell, like, have you, has anybody paid attention to his drafts or his free agent signings? Like, you know, like, I feel like Marone's been a victim. I don't think Caldwell's been a victim. I think Marone's been a victim of Tom Coughlin. And like we said on Thursday, you had to fire Coughlin. There's no way you could let Coughlin stay around. I mean, based on the shit he was doing, $99,000 he fined a player for sitting on the goddamn field. He's lucky somebody didn't punch him in the mouth. Like, that's just bullshit. Like, that's really bad. Right? Yeah. I don't know how Caldwell survives. I really don't know how he could survive. He's got to have pictures of something. I mean, I don't know. Like, so I don't know about Marone. I, I keep thinking Freddie Kitchens is, is safe. But look, I think if you're an owner, if you have any common sense, you can understand that this is no longer football. This is chess on grass. And if you don't have a grandmaster chess player in your organization at offensive and defensive coordinators or at head coach, you're going to lose. You're just going to lose. You're not going to out-town anybody. The, the, the Dallas Cowboys are the personification of the Oakland Raiders back in the day. They thought no value of coaching. You know, Kellen Moore. Can you imagine people actually thought he's a head coaching candidate? Seriously. I mean, sports, SI had him on the list as a head coaching candidate. Are you kidding me? The guy's coached two years. Like, all he does is run plays. He All he has is a bunch of plays. He has no – it's the way Belichick and Saban were talking about on the on, on the on their show. They just – they draw plays. They don't understand the origin of the play. They don't know how to set up a play. They don't know how to attack a play. 
They, they, they don't understand the coverages of what they're running. Oh, they're beaters. They're beaters. You know, I want to run beaters. You run beaters against Jim Schwartz. He's going to beat your ass. You got to attack <laughs> Jim Schwartz's adjustment, right? Mm-hmm. And they refuse to do it. But guys like Don Martindale, who are really good, they deserve to become head coaches, not these guys. Like, I watch Zach Taylor. Like, is Cincinnati really going to bring Zach Taylor back? Ugh. Seriously, are they going to bring him back? Of course they're going to bring him back because it's about money. Right. Well, this is the thing. Let's go. The NFL coaching seat's getting warm. So this is Matt Patricia, who the Lions are saying is coming back. So we can, like, for some reason, he's back, even though he's 9-20-1. And, and the team responded by losing by 10 out to Denver, right? <laughs> to, a, to a rookie quarterback. Right. That's what the team responded. Okay. Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, who I believe they should make a decision, although I think you and I agree that's not a certainty, but that could happen. I, I think he's coming back. I think Spanos has got too much shit. The, the stadium's $4 billion over budget. He isn't happy with what the stadium. I mean, he's going to be a tenant in a stadium that can't sell the suites. I mean, this he's got a lot of money creeping. I mean, he would have been better off. He's got to pay. You know, Spanos has got to pay a relocation fee to move to Los Angeles. Like, it's a, like $500 million to the league. Should have just stayed in San Diego. Like, why wouldn't he just spend $500 million on a stadium in San Diego? Right. You could own the town, man. It's just you and the Padres. You've been there for a long time. No, no, we only be part of the LA. Yeah, but now you're second fiddle to the Rams. Like it's just stupid. I don't like you're it. You're not all. even second fiddle. It's going to be SC, the Lakers. You know, you're not second fiddle. You're not even. You don't even have a fiddle. Right, <laughs> fiddleless. Um, NFL coaching seats cooling off. Adam Gase, the Jets. Matt Nagy, the Bears. Vic Fangio, the Broncos. I think all those three are safe. Yeah, I think they're all safe. I do. I mean, Gase, it was a big win for him today. I mean, he did a good job of not turning the ball over. That's the one thing. He went all his 12 possessions. He didn't turn the ball over, which is what he had to do to beat that team. And I think in the case of Nagy, they go, listen, the quarterback's not very good. And Fangio, the Broncos, he just got there. It's only been one year. That's all right. And then you got four more here. NFL coaching seats that have gone cold. Again, this is from SportingNews.com. Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals, big win against the Seahawks today. Again, year one. Zach Taylor, the Bengals, you mentioned. Brian Flores, the Dolphins. And then John Gruden, the Raiders. Well, Gruden's not going anywhere because he's got more money than anybody. How about Zach Taylor and Flores? I, I think Mike Brown just doesn't want to waste money. I think he brings them back. But, I mean, the, if, they, if they're if they ever – I mean, I know they made this great rally to come back, but they've always played better on the road than they've played at home. But they're really – I mean, you talk about not having a chess master. Like, at some point, you got to have a chess master. The, the, he's not one. I mean, how he got this job, I have no idea. I mean, that should be a book in itself. <laughs> how I stole some money and fooled some people. How I got a job when I'm not even ready to be a coordinator. Like, how I just – you know – like, I'm, hi, I'm Zach Taylor. I'm really not ready to be a coordinator, but I'll be a head coach. Seriously? Right. Like, it's an experienced job. you got to bring experience. Like, this is serious shit. Like, you can beat some bad teams, but you better bring some serious stuff. If you want to win a playoff or a Super Bowl, you better bring some something challenging to help you win. Right. And to that point, we're going to have this conversation again next week. Of course, it's uh, always when the regular season ends. It's infamously known as Black Monday the next day. Obviously, all the coaches, a lot of moves get made. So we are going to talk more about this next week. But, of course, we got Christmas coming up. So the holiday edition here of the GM Shuffle. Mike, your favorite Christmas movies. The first one I'm throwing out there is Bad Santa because it is the atypical Christmas <laughs> movie. It is just so filthy, so foul-mouthed, and so funny. I just love Billy Bob Thornton as that character. He's so good. I do love Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, I I watch Go- Goliath. I didn't I didn't love this season of Goliath. I watched season one, two, and I watched this season three. But I mean, I thought season one was really good. But I love Billy Bob Thornton. I I, I laugh at Bad Santa. I do. I I laugh at that one. I mean, I still love Home Alone. Like I I watch Home Alone one. I mean, the whole scene when the pizza kid delivers it over. You know, you've been kissing Al and Mo and Larry and then j- with the with the. <laughs> I love with the gimpy leg. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I mean, I just I can't get enough of that. 
Uh, so Home Alone, you're going to throw in the mix. I, I picture you, I don't know, a Miracle on 34th Street kind of guy. It's a wonderful life. Which Where are we going here? I, I, you know, my wife loves a wonderful life. I like a wonderful life too. I think that's it's such a great tale, and I love and I love the. I wish I was born in that era. You know, I, I love the scenery and I love the whole thing of it. So I, I would go wonderful life. I mean, I think it's all the part of Christmas. I mean, that's what I like about that's what I like about Home Alone. It's the season of perpetual hope. I mean, that's what Christmas is about. Hope, right? Well, Clarence is great. The fact that every time a bell rings, you know, an angel gets his wings, and I think people, you know, it's it's derisively referred to as Capricorn because the director Frank Capra. People think it's corny, but Mike, at one point, George Bailey wants to kill himself. Like this is a dark movie, which thankfully does have yeah. a happy ending. Yeah, that's right. It has a happy ending. All right, how about a movie like Scrooged? Bill Murray, the ghost of the past, the future, the present. I, I think I could watch Bill Murray in anything. I mean, I, 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 although I could say this. What's the movie he did with Sofia Coppola? I could not watch that. Oh, Lost in Translation. My brother hates that movie. I could never watch that. I could never get into that. And I know it won all these awards over at Cannes or someplace that I've never heard of, but I could never get into that. No, but I like Bill Murray. I like Scrooge. What, what do you, what's your number one? Is Bad Santa? Yeah, Bad Santa for me is just kind of, literally, I was in the gym the other day and they had it on. I go, okay, it's not the same because it's you know bleeped out, but I'm like, I know what all the words they're saying anyway. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one my kids like is Elf because Will Ferrell and, and of course our boy James Caan. So you get a little Santino Corleone in the movie. Yeah, I, I can't. Who can look at James Caan with a straight face? Seriously. <laughs> That's my issue with the movie. I go, hang on, come on. You're sunny. Just go ahead and belt Will Ferrell. You know what you're doing. Right. All right. Uh, thank you, as always, everyone, for listening to Jim's Shelf. I have a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful holiday. Uh, I'm going to be having a ton of eggnog and having a blast. Where will you be for Christmas? Are you going to be home in New Jersey? Or are you going to be in California? I'm here in California with my wife's family in San Jose. So it is uh, not looking like Christmas outside. It's about 55 and rainy. Although I hear it's going to be warm this week in Jersey. I'm here in mid 40s this week. Yeah, so I hope so. I mean, I'm driving up to Boston, so I'm going to go up there and spend Christmas up there with the Patriots, and, and my grandson's there. And, nice. You know, it's a, it's a rare weekend in the Lombardi household where both the Patriots and the Dolphins win. We don't have that very often, so it's a good week. <laughs> a good week for the Lombardi boys. On that note, uh, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Once again, no Thursday pod this week. We have a wonderful holidays with all your families and friends. Thanks for supporting us, and me and Mike will be back next week for the regular season finale of the GM Shuffle. And I will post my picks on Friday on Twitter. Perfect.